0: Today on Cross Defense, we talk about the Christian's call to be vulnerable evangelists, a concept that was brought to mind when I sat down with Reverend Shawn Trump, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod's regional director for mission work in Africa. We also look at Acts 8, 1-4, and a bunch of other scripture verses. So open your Bible and let's get into it. Thanks for tuning in to Cross Defense. I'm your host, Reverend Tyrell Bramwell, pastor of St. Mark Lutheran Church in Ferndale, California. It's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks for spending the next hour with me as we get into today's topic, vulnerable evangelists. Yes, we're talking about every single Christian out there because if you are a Christian, you are an evangelist, and if you are an evangelist, you are vulnerable. Now, how do we get on to this topic today? Actually, it came from a conversation I had with Reverend Shawan Trump. He is the regional director of the mission work we have going on for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod over in Africa. The guy takes care of the entire African endeavor. This is quite the feat. He is the guy sort of holding that together and doing the work there. We'll hear more from him. He wouldn't give himself that much credit, but that is his role as the uh the Regional Director of the Mission Work. It's a great conversation. We're going to get to it at the last part of the show, the last segment of the show. We'll have that conversation for your for your listening pleasure. And in it, you will hear that he talks about how we here stateside, or wherever you happen to be, no matter where, if you're a missionary or a local evangelist, you need to be willing to be vulnerable. Evangelism requires vulnerability. And I keyed in on that when he said it. And I want to focus the first two segments of this show on that aspect. So to get us started there, I want to ask you, how are you living out your faith? Serious question. Think about that for a second. How are you, dear Christian, out there wherever you live, how are you living out your faith? How well are you doing? Are you intentional about living out your faith? Or are you just kind of, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I was baptized and uh, you know my it's a, it's my family's identity. We're all just we're Christian. When someone asks we say we're Christian, but I haven't, really, I haven't really ever lived it out. I don't really even know what that would look like other than what I'm already doing. And What is it that you're doing? What are you doing? How are you living out your faith? Are you speaking Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, the gospel, to your neighbors? Are you spreading the gospel? We'll get to the Great Commission a little later in the show. But how are you living out your faith? If you are living out your faith, you know evangelism makes you vulnerable. So you have you have two choices. Well, <laughs> as you'll see in a second, really only one, but let's pretend you have two choices. You can stop telling people about the justification we have in Christ crucified, or, or maybe don't start doing that if you haven't already. You can not tell people about Jesus, you can protect your proverbial hide, which is becoming a quite a temptation in our day and age to speak up about being Christian puts a target on your back in our world. You can go with the flow, swim with the fish, keep your mouth shut. You can keep up with the unrepentant Joneses in the world who hate Jesus. Is that really an option? No, it's not. Or you can acknowledge your vulnerability, as a Christian called to follow your Lord, you can acknowledge that it makes you vulnerable in this world. And you can follow Jesus, whom the world hated, and so come to terms with the fact that by being his disciple, you too will be hated. So that's what we're doing here on Cross Defense. Every single episode, really, we talk about it, right? We excite the imagination, We get you excited about being a christian about being in god's word about theology and all the things that we do when we study scripture when we open this book and get into it we equip our minds with it so that when we are out there speaking the truth of christ crucified and we are assaulted for it in our vulnerability we're prepared And we comfort the soul with Christ crucified so that we know no matter what the world launches at us, no matter what sort of assaults the devil throws at us, what darts are hitting us, we can be comforted with the good news that Jesus is our Savior. Okay, so we're doing that in every episode of Cross Defense, but we're also doing it specifically today as we look at the vulnerability of the Christian, of the evangelist. And it's a blast to be doing it. So thanks for tuning in. All right. As I said, go. if you are a Christian, you are an evangelist. There's no two ways around it. Let me, for a second, read John 15, 18 to 25. I referenced it. This is where we get Jesus saying he was hated before you. If you're being hated, know that he was hated first. We're going to read this scripture. And then we're going to jump to Acts 8, 1-4 to for the rest of the show. We're really going to use that to drive the conversation as we look at the first Christians as they were persecuted and they were scattered and what they did in their vulnerable state. So first, open your Bibles with me to John 15, 18-25, and we will read what Jesus said. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. Right out the gate. If you're feeling your vulnerability, if you're experiencing persecution and hatred for living out your faith, know that the world hated Jesus before it hated you. If you were of the world, verse 19, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. That's some comforting scripture right there, my friends. We all seek to be loved, to be liked, to be, to be in the in crowd, to be one of the popular kids. But if the world loves you, that means you're part of the world. You're, you're its own. If it hates you, that too has consequences. It hates you, if it hates you because you're Christ's, that means you're his own. Verse 20, remember the world, the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Whoever hates me hates my father also. You see, we have a progression here. If the world hates you, dear Christian, it's because they hated Jesus first. And if the world hates Jesus, it's because they hate the father also. Conversely, if, if you speak Christ crucified to your neighbor and they hear your word and they believe your word and they listen to what you say, it's really Jesus they're listening to. Whoever hates me hates my father also. Verse 24, if I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. Without a cause. and They hate us for a cause. They hate us because we're Christians, don't they? They hate you because you're a Christian. They want to persecute you because you follow Jesus. There are no two ways around it. Christians are vulnerable to the world's hatred. We should not fall to the temptation of sin to try to minimize that hatred by not speaking Christ crucified into the world, for not giving a reason for the hope that we have. Acts 8, 1-4, flip there with me. Acts 8, 1-4, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him, but Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Persecution, this is before Saul becomes Paul, right? This is very early. In the Apostolic Church, the earliest of Christians, are being persecuted in Jerusalem. They're scattering throughout Judea and Samaria, and as they're doing that, Saul's going around ravaging the church and dragging men and women into prison. So persecution causes Christians to scatter but here's the important part for today's conversation. What did those Christians do when scattered? Did they renounce their faith when they got to the new place where they were going to live? Did they, did they decide, well, it wasn't a good idea to tell people about Jesus. They, they really hated that. So let's, let's mums the word on that. Let's just kind of downplay the whole gospel thing, and hopefully no one will notice. We can live in peace. Our neighbors will like us and all things will be well. No, they didn't do any of that. No. They preached the word. Verse 4. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Praise be to God they did that. If they didn't, you and I wouldn't know about Jesus today, wherever you are. Me, out here on the edge of the world in Ferndale, we wouldn't know about Christ crucified if these first Christians, when they were first met with vulnerability... But being hated for Christ's sake, if they silenced their language, if they stopped talking about Jesus, because of the experience of persecution, of being hated, it would have never reached us. Throughout Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth, literally I feel like I'm on the end of the earth here, we are the farthest west you can go in the lower 48 states before you dive into the drink and have to swim in the ocean, right? Ferndale is as far west as you can go. We are the farthest west, Missouri Synod Lutheran Church in the contiguous United States. Thanks be to God, the first Christians didn't cave, buckle, to their vulnerability as evangelists. Persecution caused... Christians to scatter, and what did those scattered Christians do? They preached Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, and they suffered under it, under the consequences of that. Every Christian, if he is a Christian indeed and truth, 1 John 3.18, if he is a Christian, he is an evangelist participating in Christ's great commission for the sake of his neighbor's salvation, and is therefore vulnerable it's this vulnerability that keeps many of us from spreading the gospel to everyone in our lives today, isn't it? From living out our faith in sincerity with integrity, being who we say we are, Christians, followers of Jesus, disciples of the crucified and resurrected Christ Jesus. It's that vulnerability that's keeping you and me from opening up our mouths and telling those closest to us, those people in our lives that we have vocational relationships with, telling them about Jesus, giving him as the answer to all the problems, keeping us from spreading the gospel. If you're going to be a Christian, you're going to live a life that involves risk. Did you know that? Have you thought about it that way? To be a Christian is to live a risky life in this world. Now, in one sense, there's no risk to it at all because you're the Lord's. He owns you. You're good. There's nothing that can happen to you. There's no, not a single thing to worry about on one hand. On the other hand, in your day-to-day life sort of contemplation, to be a Christian is to be risky. You are in a risky business, my friends. You're risking your reputation. Your reputation. Are you prepared? When people smear your name, are you prepared to rejoice in that? Because it's not about your name. You are no longer yours. You now belong to Christ, and so everything you're doing is about His name. Let my name be Smeared all over the place. As long as they know Jesus' name. Are you prepared for that? So you're risking reputation. That may may make your life harder. It certainly will. Are you prepared for risking relationships with friends and family? Literally being shunned by those closest to you because you're a Christian, and because you speak up in conversation with those closest to you, and the words you speak come from Scripture, you're going to be hit with what they always do. They're going to call you judgmental. They're going to call you uh, pietistic, holier-than-thou, hypocrite. These sorts of words, are you ready for it? It's risky. How about risking gainful employment? We're now in an era in the church in America, in the West, where to be a Christian means you may not have the same opportunities as non-Christians around you. Think about what you see just in the the highlights, right, in the news, the headlines. There was a professional soccer player that just came to mind. Last week I saw a headline that talked about how she was uh, sidelined from playing because she wouldn't wear an LGBTQ pride jersey during the game she was originally removed from the team for being an open christian then they were they they re-signed her but on that day when they were going to wear the the pride jersey she chose not to and so they benched her because she's a christian are you prepared for risking your employment and what you do in this life for christ Risking persecution, real persecution, being hated for Jesus. Risking life or limb in other parts of the world. People are dying for Jesus. People are being tortured for Jesus. They are literally losing life and limb for Christ. That alone, just kind of as an aside, that alone should motivate us living in in, a, uh, in the West, in America, where we're not experiencing threats to our life or limb so much, where it's still a softer persecution, that should motivate us to man up. We got brothers and sisters in the faith, people we will meet in heaven who are losing their heads, who are dying for Christ. And not just now, but throughout history. I want to be able to hold up my head, shake those people's hands. I, I don't know how that's going to work out in heaven, but you know what I'm saying. That should be a motivator. That's why we look to the saints. Not because their works do anything for us as far as meritorious you know, salvation, but they are motivation and inspiration on how to live a Christian life as a vulnerable evangelist. All right, we're going to take a break right there. We'll be right back to look at Acts 8, 1-4, to instant debt don't go away Each weekday on The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah, we share and discuss stories of living boldly Lutheran.
1: Including missionary updates, mercy work, events and topics applicable to your daily vocations, and maybe some fresh dark roast.
0: The Coffee Hour weekdays at 9 a.m. on KFUO, underwritten by Concordia University, Wisconsin. Welcome back to Cross the Fence. Before the break, we were looking at how being Christian is risky business. And that is not a reference to Tom Cruise's movie. (laughs) We are taking a look at how to be a Christian is to be an evangelist. And to be an evangelist means you will be vulnerable. To be a Christian is to be hated by the world because the world hates Jesus. You were not given the light of Christ in your baptism so that you could take that light off of its lampstand and hide it under a bushel. You were not given the light of Christ that has come into this dark world to shove it into your pocket. You are meant to have that light out so everyone sees it. You are not meant to hide your Christianity To keep it on the down low so that you don't experience persecution. To hope no one notices so that you don't experience persecution and hatred. And that's what too many of us are doing. We do this even in our own families where we should feel safe to speak up. We don't even want to tell our families, our children, our grandchildren, our our parents, our grandparents, our spouses that we're Christian. We want to pretend we're not by not talking about it. Because what's it going to do if we talk about it? Well, it may upset someone. We may cause drama and trouble in our families. Well, what did Jesus say about that? He comes not to bring peace, but a sword. He will divide families. Father against son, daughter against mother-in-law, so on and so forth. We are to shine the light of Christ. Reverend Dr. Robert Cole, Professor Emeritus of Systematic Theology at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri, puts it this way in his great book, Speaking the Gospel Today. This is what he has to say. The fact is, believers do not have the choice of witnessing or not. As we we mentioned in the opening, you have two choices, but not really. (laughs) Believers do not have the choice of witnessing or not. They only choose whether to witness better or less effectively. So do you want to be an effective witness for Christ or a less effective witness for Christ? Because that's really the option you have. And who wants to do something poorly? No, we want to do something well. If people know, Kolb says, Reverend Kolb says. If people know that we are Christians, they are always and easily noticing and evaluating what Jesus means to us. So if, if you are bearing the name of Christ, if people know in your community that you are a Christian, that you go to such and such church, that you go to St. Mark Lutheran Church in Ferndale, they are going to pay attention to how you behave. And if you are behaving like they are, What's the big deal? Why should I go to that church? But if you are behaving like Christ would have you behave, you're going to draw their attention. You might draw their attack, but you also will draw a reason for the apologetics of making a defense for your faith, giving them a reason when they say, hey, why do you behave the way you do? Is it because you say you're a Christian? Tell me more about that. And you can say, yeah, let me tell you about this Jesus guy. He saved me by dying on the cross. Come hear more. Reverend Kolb continues. If they do not know we're Christians, they get to know quite quickly, as we become acquainted, what is of ultimate worth to us. So they're going to get to know you, and they're going to get to know what is the most valuable thing in your life. What the ultimate source of our identity, security, and meaning is, Reverend Kolb says. So it is that God's design for human creatures, that's God's design for human creatures. There can be no doubt that God wants his Christian people to speak his word above all, to bring that good news of new life in Jesus Christ to those who are writing their own bulletins and guidelines for a life which is dying. God wants us to help inform our neighbors, to tell them the good news of life in Christ, because they're operating according to a dying world, one that thinks in a, in a certain way because it is on the road to death and then we come along and say hey bud look at this there is a road to life let me share it with you Reverend Cole continues the living voice of the gospel in our mouths is the very power of God for the salvation of fallen human creatures Romans 116 and what is Romans 116 let me let me read it for you for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And Reverend Kolb continues, he has placed, God has placed this power into the hands of all his disciples. Matthew 16, 19, Matthew 18, 18, and John 20, 20. Three. We, we find it hard to bring up Jesus today, don't we? We've been told time and time again, that old American proverb, that we're not supposed to talk about religion and politics. Brother, sister, we need to get over that. That's false. The devil loves it. Oh, Christians believe it's not acceptable to talk about the most important topic in all the world, the only important topic, the life-saving topic. Jesus crucified for the forgiveness of sins. Victory's mine, the devil says. Yeah, sorry, Satan. You're a demon dipwad, and we see through your diabolical scheme. We're going to start telling people about Jesus. As C.S. Lewis said in God in the Dock, We must show our Christian colors if we are to be true to Jesus Christ. We cannot remain silent or concede everything away. We have to be willing to be vulnerable. Show our colors, fly our flag, the flag of Christ's flesh hanging on the cross for our forgiveness. Instead of just remaining silent and conceding everything to the enemy and to those who he has captured. Especially today, my friend, this idea of flying our colors, making known our Christian colors. We are in an age, I don't know if you've noticed this, everyone is virtue signaling. Everyone is flying their colors. Perhaps, except maybe not us. Christians are afraid to speak up too often than not, more often than not. Why? We have the victory. We know the end of the story. Fly your colors. Let the world know about Jesus, about how you've been baptized into his death and resurrection, how he gives you his body and blood each and every time you come to his altar to forgive you of your sins. Fly, Christ crucified, for all to see. Take the blows, be hated, be persecuted. Let Christ win, because he has already won. All right, let's break down Acts 8, 1-4 to for just a minute. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. This is a magus, diogmas epitone ecclesion. A mega persecution against the ecclesia, the church. And a mega persecution. <laughs> a big one, a great one, intense one. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. That's important. So the the apostles were still in Jerusalem. That helps us understand this isn't just a professional pastor, you know, uh, clergyman's job. This is everyone's job proclaiming the gospel. Pontus, diasporon, all were scattered, dispersed, diaspora. Peter describes the church this way in the opening of his first letter. James uses this language too in his greeting. The diaspora, the dispersion, the scattering of the saints. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him, but Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Christians were dragged out of their homes and thrown into prison. Men and women alike, it didn't matter. All the laity, all of them, were were living out their faith. It was known, if if they could... If Paul could know that you were a Christian, he was dragging you off to prison. All Christians were vulnerable because of the gospel. As Reverend Kolb rightly says, if you're a Christian, people will know. It's inevitable because Christians want to tell their neighbors about Jesus. And that outs you to all your neighbors. You reveal yourself to all those who are paying attention what did jesus say turn with me to matthew ten sixteen to 39 matthew 10 16 to 39 jesus said behold i am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves beware of men whispered proclaim it on the housetops and do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell that's god my friend are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father but even the hairs of your head are all numbered fear not therefore You are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever, Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Acts 8.4 Now those who were scattered, diasperentes, dispersed, went about preaching. Uangelizomai, oh, mispronounced it, uangelizominoi, It's Greek to me. We have our gospel word here, euangelion. That's the Greek word for good news, the euangelion. It's the word that gives us evangelical, evangelism, evangelize. Those who were scattered didn't seek refuge from their persecutors, they didn't hunker down and hide out of the way, they weren't stopping, they're their speaking about Jesus. No, they, they scattered, and while they scattered, they went about doing what they were doing in the first place, evangelizing, evangelion, evangelizomenoi, <laughs> preaching the word, ton logon, the logos, the word. And what does John tell us about the word in John 1? In the beginning was the word And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Mm. Can I tell you something, my friend? God is aware that Christians are vulnerable when they evangelize. Matthew 10 makes that clear, right? And so does the rest of Scripture, and the entire history of the church, the martyrdom of our Christian ancestors fanned the flame of faith and spread the gospel throughout the world. As they were persecuted they scattered, and as they scattered they preached God's good news. They evangelized their neighbors. Philippians one twelve to fourteen. Matthew 28, 16 to 20, are marching orders as church. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is what the church does. It's what makes us vulnerable. We're going to take a break right here. Hang on to that. We'll be right back. You're listening to Cross the Fence. The life of the Christian church is a life in exile. We are grieved by various trials. False teachers and their deceptive teachings wage war against the truth. How can we believe and live as faithful and joyful Christians while we sojourn here? This is Pastor Timothy Apple, host of Sharper Iron. We're starting a new series, The Imperishable Inheritance. We will be going through 1 Peter, 2 Peter, and Jude. Join us every weekday morning at 8 on KFUO to rejoice in the imperishable inheritance that is ours in Christ Jesus. Scripture is chock-full of what we can expect as vulnerable evangelists, a.k.a. Christians, and that is hatred from the world. In last week's show, we briefly referenced Acts 5.29 as Jael rightly obeyed God rather than men. Remember the tent pig that she drove into Sisera's temple? The verse that we referenced there is pertinent to today's conversation too. Jael was obeying God rather than men, We do the same. The apostles succinctly confess that. Well, in Acts 5, 17 to 33, roughly, we get the the longer pericope, and and we're going to reduce it to that for the sake of time today. You can certainly go beyond um, in both directions for some more context. And so here's, here's where we are in Acts 5, 17. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy, toward the apostles, preaching Christ crucified, doing miracles in the name of Jesus. And they arrested the apostles, and they put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life, this life in Christ crucified for the forgiveness of your sins. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Jumping to 25. And someone came and told them, look. The men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name of Jesus, And forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey Him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. All right. Evangelism, preaching the gospel, my friend, spreading the good news that Jesus Christ was crucified for our sins, that he is the Messiah, the Savior, and the leader, resurrected on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, telling our neighbors this wonderful word means we must be willing to be vulnerable. Are you? Are you willing to be vulnerable? We come up with all kinds of excuses not to talk about Jesus with our neighbors, don't we? With our family, with our friends. With our co-workers, classmates, peers. We, we justify keeping our faith to ourselves. Why? Now, there can be many different reasons, but high among them is that vulnerability. What if I offend someone? Well, Jesus is offensive, so you can plan on doing that. As we read in 1 Peter 2.8, Christ is the rock of offense. Why is that? Well, Acts 4 11 to 12 tells us this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone, and there is salvation in no one else. Ah, there's the offense. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus said it of himself. His words are recorded in John's gospel, chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me, this exclusivity of Jesus as the one and only means of salvation offends our neighbors today, doesn't it? Anyone who speaks this truth is vulnerable to a growing number of people who think everyone goes to a better place when they die. You notice they use that language. They're in a better place. Well, when I die, I'm going to heaven, which is a better place, but let's call it what it is. I'm going to live with Jesus before the throne of his father. Of course, Aunt Flo is in heaven. She was a nice lady, right? Civil righteousness. You're vulnerable when you speak about Jesus because his presence in the conversation brings sin into the discussion. Was Aunt Flo a sinner? That's an unpleasant thing to talk about. Did Aunt Flo repent of her sin and believe in Christ as her savior? If Aunt Flo didn't believe in Jesus, she's not in heaven. Are you judgmental for holding this view your friends and family will think so that's intimidating isn't it in America evangelizing won't get you thrown in jail or killed yet but we are faced with the real question am I willing to lose a friend over Jesus am I willing to be blacklisted by my family by my peers to be sure some of the fears we have are hypothetical Keep that in mind. Some of these are just in your mind. You're psyching yourself out before you even get started. But the Holy Spirit has called you by the gospel, enlightened you with his gifts, sanctified, and kept you in the true faith. We're never risking much, not when you think about it. Who's with us? God. We have his spirit. In his Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all your sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise you and all the dead and give eternal life to all of us who believe in Christ Jesus. This, this, my friend, is most certainly true. You have no need to be afraid of being vulnerable as an evangelist, as a Christian. Okay, and with that, let's let's get into my conversation with Reverend Shawn Trump. He is the, um, you can go to lcms.org forward slash Trump to see his bio, but he is, he's based in Nairobi, Kenya, and he is the regional director for Africa for our LCMS missions. And I had a chance to sit down with him, great conversation, and we're going to talk about all kinds of different things. And I wanted to know from him what we can learn from missionaries about evangelizing, spreading the gospel in our own communities. Here's what he had to say.
1: Yes, it's absolutely the case that the church continues to grow in Africa, uh, in Latin America, in, in Asia, um, and, and it's, it's a great thing to be a part of. And part of my work as the regional director from Africa is to come back and give this report to our churches here. Nice. You know, be confident. The Holy Spirit's alive. He's working. He's Amen. doing it. Yeah, and, and it's happening. And don't be discouraged by what you might see in your own neighborhood be encouraged that the Spirit is ready and eager to work here too and is working on hearts even before they are brought into conversation with you.
0: Well, that that's a great segue to asking you about some local guidance, teaching us here in the States, uh, in our local neighborhoods. What do you identify as things that we can do locally from your experience in the mission field? What might be the difference between what you know, we see decline here, but you're seeing growth there? Are there, are there identifiable things that we can be taking from your experience and from the guys on the ground over there and saying, Hey, let's put that to work here.
1: I think there are some, uh, and part of it is, is kind of the phenomena of being in a pre-Christian or a Christian or a post-Christian culture. Okay. Right. And in a post-Christian culture, which is kind of the West or the Europe, the United States, uh, people think they know who Jesus is. They think they know what Christianity is. And if they don't want anything to do with it, you have a huge hurdle to overcome because it's right. not talking about Jesus. It's breaking down a preconception of Jesus that's completely inaccurate. And, and that's very difficult. And and I don't have expertise in that. I come from the pre-Christian or, or the, even the nominally Christian cultures. You know, that's where we're working. Um, and in those places, people don't have something that you have to overcome first. Okay. People are willing to talk about it. So um, I remember a time I was on the coast of Kenya, which is about 99% Muslim. And we were doing a medical outreach there. So there was a a medical facility set up short term for one week, and we were inviting people from the community to come. And so the day before it started, we went out into the community with church members and leaders of the church, and just went door to door to invite people. And it was during Ramadan, it was during the holy (laughs) month of Ramadan. And we're in a 99% Muslim community. And we are Christians walking out into people's yards and calling out and asking if we can have a conversation with them. And we could. That, that's the difference. We could. So they were happy to receive us as visitors, and we could we could pray with them. We could share a little bit of who we were, what we were doing, why we were doing it, ask if we could say a blessing for them in their home, ask if we could share some scripture with them. And every experience I had in that uh, that time of outreach was, was warmly welcomed. There was one family that said, we're not comfortable with you praying with us right now, but we want to hear from you. Um, so even there... The gospel had a chance to go forth and be heard. Um, and I, th- I think that's part of what what we see here in our backyard in the United States. Um, we're in a situation where it's hard to talk about religion, it's hard to talk about faith. It's one of those those topics that people shy away from. Mm. And I think overcoming that hesitancy is something that we can do, right? Because right. What gives us the hesitancy? It's, it's that we don't want to be embarrassed or we don't want to embarrass someone else or we don't want to offend someone else. Well, those are kind of connected to pride, mm. you know, those things. And that's, that's not our embarrassment to worry about. Jesus Christ has borne all of this in a way far more than we can. If I want to talk to someone about Jesus here and they call me stupid or they, or they, they ridicule me or they tell me that I'm offensive— Maybe my pride gets a little hurt, but my goodness, isn't that worth it for the opportunity to walk with a brother or sister into faith, seeing the Holy Spirit work in their life? I, I think that's, that's the barrier that we have to overcome. And it is something we can overcome within ourselves with the help of the Holy Spirit because we are forgiven every day for that pride, for that hesitation, for that leeriness of putting ourselves out there and being vulnerable. And the vulnerability is absolutely necessary because the faith is about relationship. It's about relationship between God and man. It's about relationship between Jesus and creation. It's about relationship between man and man. You have to be willing to be vulnerable to be in a relationship. So if we wanna make an impact right here, we have to be willing to take the step and show love to our neighbor and act upon our lives and what God has given us and be willing to do so and, and just step out in faith and do it, and and take the hits when they come. Mm. Take them and put them where they belong at the foot of the cross and move on again. That
0: willingness to be vulnerable, that's a tall order for a lot of people in the West, right? We, yeah. we, you're right. We don't like that. It's, no. it's a scary um, proposition to tell, you know, to the church just— Talking to people in fellowship you know, during Bible study, you're talking to you know, the 65 year old man who's you know he he's used to just kind of being in his own world doing his own thing. What do you mean vulnerable? That doesn't sound right. Uh, at the same time, you're talking to you know a 75 year old grandmother, and you would think she knows all about vulnerability, but not this kind of vulnerability, right? Like this idea of well, what if I disrupt? The family unit? What if people don't want to come back for Thanksgiving or mm-hmm. these sorts of things? You know, these are the pressures that we feel every day. So these aren't that big or that that much of a connection there in, in the mission field in Africa. These sorts of fears aren't the same.
1: Is that what you're saying? Or yeah, I would say because we don't have the fear of, of entering into relationship or conversation. In in Africa and much much of the the rest of the world, relationships are more important than anything else. So you, you, you are willing to enter into conversation at any time about anything um, to enter into even what might be a temporary relationship or a very short-term relationship. Mm. Uh, and that plays itself out in all kinds of ways in the way that you greet somebody, uh, whether you know them or not, in, in the way that you do leave-taking when you say goodbye to somebody, um, in the way that you resolve conflict, often through an intermediary to preserve the direct relationship and allow an intermediary to step in and resolve oh. conflict on both sides. Um, so the the culture— that sounds very pastoral. Uh, it, it, <laughs> it really is. Yeah, there's some great sermon <laughs> sermon spots there, uh, great gospel handles for, for talking about the intermediary. Um, and and that is, that's culturally so different, so foreign uh, to the U.S. But I don't think it should be. I think in the U.S., one of our struggles is that we feel isolated and alone. But our culture our culture contributes to that. The way we choose to do things contributes to that isolation. Um, and so again, if you're willing to be vulnerable and step out and enter into a conversation, a relationship with somebody, now you open up not only opportunities to talk about faith, but to talk about life, to talk about what's on your heart, what's on your mind, um, and to enter into a, a more meaningful relationship that will help address that feeling of isolation or loneliness. I I see it as a gap in the culture that that Africa can speak to. Awesome.
0: As you were speaking, I was reminded of the, uh, maybe it's an American adage, probably is, this idea that you don't talk about Politics or religion, yeah. right? This must not be a universal concept. No.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, there, we, there's, there are, of course, like boundaries on what polite conversation constitutes mm. in, in Africa. But religion and politics are not in that that concern. You, you talk about it all the time. It, it's no problem because it's such a big part of our lives. Yeah. Um, and th- there's also a little more uh, willingness to hear an alternative viewpoint, to hear someone who wants to share something Um, that you don't think or that you don't believe uh, in relation to like politics, for example. So you can have the conversation about it. And because of the high value placed on the relationship, people are not willing to just cut it off and call you a name and walk away. Um, For example, like anger is an emotion that is rarely shown in many parts of Africa, because anger cuts off relationships. Really. And so road rage is not really a thing there. Uh, You'll hear horns beep on the roads. And unless it's That one taxi bus driver that no one really cares for, right? (laughs) But usually it's to let someone know you're there. You know, no one's hanging out the window, hollering at people. You don't feel threatened when you're driving. Um, And and so anger is subdued and that gives opportunity for relationships to continue. Um, And you express that if there's conflict, again, through this intermediary in another way. But never directly. So there's always some level of superficial unity, at least, and that enables collegial conversation. And so that's seen as a strength. I yeah, absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. So given the the
0: taboo in our country of talking about religion and politics, and coming you know just coming out of uh, Pride Month, is that kind of a thing? The things that we deal with in America, you know, with pro life issues and LGBTQ issues, and I mean all the different stuff that we hit that, that touch on religion and politics how is how are those topics addressed
1: in africa are they even a lot of them really aren't on the radar. they're not even on the radar uh, the, a lot of the cultures themselves are so conservative as we would label conservative that these aren't things that are are really possible these aren't things that you would think of or talk about okay um so it's not that they're taboo it, it's not that they're they're closely tied to uh, religion or politics and therefore you don't discuss it's just that it doesn't seem to be a thing now I, I, it is a thing, of course, but it's not a thing that it has risen to people's awareness or concern. the way it has here. The, the way, way it, it has it, here, absolutely where it's just taking over our yeah, our exactly. And everything. Um, in places where it's hard to have conversations, like among the Muslim populations on the coast of Kenya or in other places that are Muslim dominated, um, we often do entry with acts of mercy or compassion, like that medical clinic, like okay. something something to show that we're interested. in in walking with people right where they are, Um, there's not a lot of benefit in standing on the street corner with a megaphone and just blasting something. People want to know that there's something behind it. And so we often do use acts of compassion or mercy as an entrance, but always tightly connected to word and sacrament ministry. So love somebody, show your love, and then make sure there's a strong connection there to the church, to the presence of the church, as small or fledgling as it might be in that kind of context, okay. um, that that is a strong emphasis for the LCMS as a whole.
0: Yeah, this is um, stuff that we do here locally, too, right? right. I mean,
1: stateside. Exactly. This yeah. is one of the mission priorities that the Synod has right. chosen is more, uh, acts of mercy in close connection, in close proximity to Word and Sacrament ministry. So, so we, we do these things out of a local congregation, out of a church building. Um, in the with the support of the local church, and always pointing back to this is your pastor, this is your evangelist, from your community that the Lord has put here to work with you, to walk with you long term, long after I've come and and gone. And this stuff Here's sounds familiar. This it. is great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here's where the Lord's doing it. Here's where you know it and you can see it in this church, right? Here's where we know the church is uh, and where the Lord works. Uh, and he works also through our hands in the community, showing love to neighbors.
0: What a privilege it was to have Reverend Trump with us right here in the Winged Lion studio talking about all the different work going on in Africa and to glean especially that wonderful nugget of truth about vulnerability. Thank you, Pastor, for keying us into that aspect of being an evangelist, of being Christians, that it is including a particular vulnerability for the name of Christ. Thank you so much for that. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you, listener, for your attention this last hour. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a five-star review on your favorite podcast app and sharing this with a friend. We are out of time. Until next week, Christ be with you.
1: Cross Defense is a production of KFUO Radio. Find past episodes and support Cross Defense at KFUO.org.